Have you ever wondered what it takes to get into real estate investment? It's not as big and scary as you might think, and it's a great way to bless other people. Today, we're gonna dive into this topic and talk about how to start into real estate investment, when it's right for you, and even if it's right for right now. Stay tuned. Hey there, I am so excited that you're here to hang out with me today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day and tuning in to this podcast. If this is your first time joining, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. And if you are a returning listener, welcome on back. Today, we are talking about real estate investment. Now, I know this seems like one of those far-fetched topics that might not apply to everyone, but it just might not. Do not count yourself out from this topic. Now, when we've had financial guests on before, we've talked a lot about budgeting. We've talked a lot about building up that emergency fund, paying off of debt, all of those things. And we've talked a little bit about investing, like as far as like your retirement goes. But what I love about the conversation we're going to have today is it's really about how you can bring in extra income to your family without adding on a whole lot of extra work. I mean, if you think about it, you could probably start a side business. You could probably get another job. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do to raise your income level for your family, but it's gonna take a lot of time. And I don't know about you, but I do not have a lot of time to give. Now, some of you might be saying, yeah, but do I really need that extra money? It's nice to be able to have that extra cushion for the just-in-cases in life, It also gives you more options. So if you feel burnout and you would love to go part-time in your work, but you just don't think you can financially afford it, this could be the way for you. Now, one of the things that my guest brought up in our conversation is how when you are investing, especially in real estate investment, it opens up so many more doors on how you can bless people and how you can really show who Jesus is to people who otherwise might not see him. And to me, that alone is worth it. Now, before we get into my interview today and we start tackling this topic of real estate investment, I do want to let you know that if you are a member of Life Balance Membership, starting on May 1st, you will find in the planning tool section our Summer of Awesome planning packet. Now, this is a packet to help you make summer as awesome as possible. I have a ton of checklists in there, some videos to help get you started and give you some guidance and some links where you can buy some of the best things so you are stocked up for the most awesome summer for your family. And if you're not yet a member of Life Balance Membership, you can go to lifebalancemembership.com to learn more or your life rocks. Now you can always upgrade in the app, but like I said a couple weeks ago, we are slowly phasing out the app. So the very best place to get started in the membership is by visiting the website. In addition to the summer planning, you'll have access to all of the other courses, planning tools, resources, member podcasts, and so much more. Now, to join us for our conversation today as we talk about real estate investment is Rochelle Delia. And you guys, she is amazing, a ball of energy. You're going to love her. And the thing I love so much is that Rochelle is a PhD, not in real estate investment, not anything close to that. But, you know, this is a path that sometimes God gives us our path in ways that he wants us to perform our calling and to use our talents in ways that we could never actually realize when we're going through the process of like, school, (laughs) building our career when we're younger. Some of us, we get that nudge to where our calling is early on, and some of us, it takes a little bit longer. And I asked Michelle to share her story about how she got to where she is today, because I think it's one that we can all learn from, and it might even inspire a few of you. 
Now, Rochelle is a co-founder of a housing joint venture, a real estate education and development firm helping professionals explore income property ownership as a safety net to diversity or to create wealth. And like I said, I know you're totally going to love her. She's very relatable and just so much fun. So without further ado, let's get into my interview with Rochelle. Rochelle, welcome to the Redefining Balance podcast. I am so excited to be talking about real estate investment today. Woohoo! Happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, this is a topic we've never discussed on the show before. And I think that there's a lot of different reasons why, which we're going to probably get into during our discussion. But yes, before we, we talk about all of that goodness and you share all of that wisdom, share with our audience a little bit more about who you are. Absolutely. Well, as you mentioned, my name is Rochelle Dilia. I am a real estate investor. I did begin my career as an engineer. So I am a nerdy one for anyone else out there. And my husband and I, we have a real estate education and development firm known as Housing Joint Venture. And basically what we do is we help ambitious professionals and people explore if income property is something for them. Typically, folks are looking for a way to diversify their income, explore a way for them to build generational wealth or to have a plan B. And so that's what we do. That's amazing. That's amazing. So how did you make that jump? Like, what did that look like from engineering mm-hmm. and all of the education and all of the experience that it takes to be an engineer to yes. real estate investment? Yes. And it actually is a lot more elegant than it sounds on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> so as I mentioned, I'm a nerd. I'm a chemical engineer. And so I studied material science. So basically the stuff that makes stuff So I like to say, you know, a a chemist will discover orange juice, but a chemical engineer, we put the pulp in it. So we just make it better. Yeah, we just make it better. And so I went from undergrad all the way through PhD. I'm really a chemical engineer. And I studied nerve regeneration for basically the materials that help connect nerves after an injury. And I started my career in the building materials industry. So those are businesses that do the stuff to make buildings. So think drywall, insulation, roofing shingles, stuff like that. So I started my career in that industry and really discovered, wow, there's a lot here in terms of national home building trends, why we live the way we do, energy efficiency, sustainability, public policy, all the things. And so that just really was a springboard even more so into being an active player and a housing provider, essentially. I will say I did purchased my first investment property while I was in grad school. So 21 years old, bought a little condo and rented out the spare bedroom to my department mates. So smart. Yes. Asterix. I used all the money to buy shoes. So, you know, (laughs) there's that. You know, we all use our money for the things that we want to do. Hello, you know, you know, but I think that's so smart. I think so many of us can look back and be like, man, if I had done that, (laughs) you have a lot of shoes right now. Well, probably. Yes, yes, yes. But I think it's really fascinating that you went into this whole real estate investment, not from like a money manager standpoint Mm -hmm. or a financial advisor standpoint, but really from a like, I don't even know how to just like not a supply and demand, but really just a knowledge of the housing industry. Yeah. And and I'll, I'll put an asterisk here, you know, so I'm Caribbean and we love our we love our fathers and I'm very close to my dad and he is a petroleum engineer. And so when I was growing up, he very much encouraged me to study something that would be a little bit more broad than he had studied and give a little bit more resiliency. So the oil and gas industry is incredibly cyclical. And unfortunately, he got laid off very early in his career. 
And so I grew up with an ex-engineer turned teacher as a father. And so while, yes, I studied engineering, the message was very much study as much as you can, have as great and profitable as a career as you can, but also have something on the side for yourself because no matter how much education you have, life still happens. And so that definitely was always in the back of my mind and definitely influenced me to purchase real estate as early as I did. So I I do want to point that out. I'm so glad you brought up that point because I think that that's the kind of stuff that we all need to hear if we didn't hear it from our fathers or we didn't hear it from our parents, like this is the kind of stuff that we do need to hear is that, you know, I think especially with the pandemic and and the Mm -hmm. year that we're coming off of, a lot of us are realizing the things that we thought were certain before are not certain anymore. And so we need to be able to be thinking about what other options are out there, what other Mm -hmm. opportunities are out there. Now, the main question I have for you, because Mm -hmm. I feel like probably one of the reasons we haven't ever discussed this on the show before is I feel like a lot of people, and I'll be honest, myself included, like the idea of real estate investment, but think that's not for me. That's for someone else. That's for a man or that's for my husband or that's for someone who is more wealthy than I am or Mm -hmm. not in the situation that I'm in or where I live. Like It's always for someone else, but not for me. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Absolutely. For a minute and kind of that mindset piece that goes around. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and real estate one is complicated, as you mentioned. It can be dirty. It can be complicated. And, you know, working with men, obviously, it's easier if you have, you know, a husband, a spouse, a brother or someone to help you. Right. But that being said, it's absolutely something that women can do. And I feel like a lot of it is this stigma of one why should I talk to ladies about this when they may not be as financially educated to begin with? So a lot of like, you know, I bank at Fidelity. I love them. So no shade to Fidelity. But a lot of the major banks and financial institutions, the information is targeted to women tends to be much more dumbed down, much more just save your money, put it in an index fund, be as safe as possible and not really teach you how you can maximize your funds so they can actually serve you and give you so much more, I'm going to call it financial autonomy. And a lot of times these additional assets give you so much more breadth and so much more mobility that it's actually better for a lady than being at the whelm of these larger institutions in, let's say, a mutual fund or index fund where you're just going to be a number and don't actually have any control over how your money works for you or if it works for you at all. Yes. Yes. And one of the words that you said that I think really hit the nail on the head is safe. You Mm -hmm. know, we think about budgeting, we think about making sure we have enough emergency funds, savings Mm -hmm. is like really important. And then from there on, it's maximizing your 401k, getting ready for retirement in that kind of a sense of, you know, making sure your stocks and your portfolio. But we very rarely think about real estate other than the house that we live in. Mm -hmm. being something that can be a part of that. Right. You know, and I think ladies, we may default to being more taking on that caregiver role or trying to make sure that everyone else is okay. And a lot of times we end up getting depleted, you know, energy wise and sometimes financially as well. You know, our careers tend to pause as we're caregiving for children or parents or whatever that may be. And it's like, if we can invest our time into finding ways where our efforts have, I'm going to call it a longer tail, um, where the, you have residual benefits from that first upfront effort, it really allows you to have, I'm going to call it a much fuller life and be less vulnerable to what life throws at you. Okay. So now I'm getting really excited. 
Whereas before I was like, oh, it feels like a scary, weird, big thing right. to tackle. But now I'm right. like, okay, I'm kind of excited for this. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, I think all of us, we like watching HGTV. You know, we like going to TJ Maxx and going shopping for pillows. This is just an extension of that and a way to monetize something that is really within our natural wheelhouse. You know, we know how to make a house a home. That's what we do. And so essentially being a housing provider is saying, hey, I'm not just going to have a home for myself and my family, but how can I pay it forward and basically be a housing provider for someone else's family also? You know, I think a lot of times when you think about money and it's very much this concept of being a go-getter, like I have to drive hard and, you know, like really push it forward. But it doesn't have to be like that. It can be a lot more, I'm going to call it easy and a lot more of a giving type of coming from an area of giving as opposed to an area of force, right? Mm. When you come to it from an area of giving or an area of service, it comes much more naturally. I'm not perfect. I am, I am not perfect, right? If any of our residents are listening, I am not the perfect property manager. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> but I try, right? And it's all about excellent communication and really coming to it from a place of service. And I think if you have it and from that mindset, real estate is not so scary. Real estate is actually one of the best ways to have a much larger impact with a much lower out-of-pocket in terms of time, effort, energy, and sometimes even financial resources. I love, Rochelle, that you just kind of switched this whole conversation from a financial conversation to a way that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus, the way that we can bless other people through their housing needs. Yes, absolutely. That's incredible. So who is this right for? So at what point, you know, when we think about, you know, like the Dave Ramsey baby steps or, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of all of the different aspects that go into having a healthy financial place. Yeah. Who is the right real estate investor? At what point should someone start looking at this? There are a few aspects in which real estate investing is beneficial. So to your point, yes, this is not for people that are just now getting their feet beneath them. Real estate is the top of the financial pyramid. So, you know, I believe that you should invest in lots of things. I'm not going to tell you, you know, forsake your 401k, you know, no, 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 no. You should have, you should have lots of things. But real estate investing is really for persons that are on the higher end of the income spectrum. You know, you really can start taking advantage of, I'm going to call them the tax advantages once your income is above $75,000 per year or more. So there's that. Additionally, it's really good for people that want to have income that is separate from their personal effort, which is I mean, obviously I was in grad school, so I was not above 75K when I first got started. But I needed something where I could make money and earn additional income that it didn't require me to put more effort into it. So that's the second portion of it. And then for other people that are, I'm going to call it a heart of service. So essentially, the beautiful part, if you choose to take on debt to purchase real estate and you allow yourself to be a housing provider, other people are paying down the debt on your behalf. And with inflation that is actively eroding away our purchasing power. And I'll go on a quick aside just to explain that. But essentially, you're paying down debt with less valuable dollars, comma, those dollars aren't even yours. So I'll just go on a very quick tangent. When I was in high school and I was purchasing gas to put in a car, I could go from empty to full with a single $20 bill. Today, if I want to go from empty to full, I need to spend $35, almost $40. So before, my $20 bill was equivalent to a full tank of gas. Today, that $20 bill is only equivalent to three-fourths of a tank of gas. So my effective buying power in tanks of gas has gotten eroded away over time. And so real estate allows you 
to harness that same phenomenon, but your purchasing power is maintained because the income you receive, it adjusts in lockstep with inflation and things like that. And the people that are paying down that debt, they pay it down on your behalf and the dollars that they used to pay it back with are less valuable. So it's just, it's a compounding benefits. That's incredible. Like it's such a, you know, it's funny because my husband and I were just talking about this the other day Mm -hmm. about how when we were growing up, like what we got for allowance, that was like enough for, you know, going to the movies or Mm -hmm. or doing whatever with your friends. And now it's like, my kids need side jobs just to be able to afford everything because everything has gotten so much more expensive. My husband likes a joke. He says $1,000 is the adult $20 bill. Oh, yes. He said, you can't do anything unless you have a grand. I was like, you know what? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember. So when we were growing up, it was like this joke that we would call Costco the $100 store because you couldn't go Uh in there without spending the $100. Now I can't go in there without spending like $400. Yes, exactly. Like, what are you buying? Nothing. Why is the bill $470? I don't know. I didn't buy anything. I promise. It was the toilet paper. (laughs) That's what it was. So, okay. So this, I love this idea of all of these things, especially the earning income without more personal effort, because I think sometimes, Mm -hmm. especially as working women, we want more, we see Mm -hmm. a need for more. We think like, gosh, if I could just make a little bit more money, Mm -hmm. then we would be able to pay down this much more debt, or we would be able to go on these vacations, or we would be able to bless people the way that we want to be able to bless people. Right. But we're already maxed with our time. And so I love this idea of being able to grow the income without more personal effort, because quite frankly, a lot of us don't have that much more personal effort Effort to give. give. (laughs) Absolutely. So I hear you. I hear you. How do we get started with this? Because that's where I feel like, like once we get in the process, I can see how that works. But I feel like in the beginning, there's a lot of heavy lifting to kind of learn what to do to find the right property to Mm -hmm. work out everything with the bank. So what are the kind of those first steps that you would recommend someone taking when they're like, okay, I like everything Rochelle's saying about real estate investment. It sounds good. But how do I move from it sounds good to it feels good? Yeah, I'm going to start sooner than most people would say. You have to begin with the end in mind. The biggest mistake that I made was setting my goals too low. And I know that sounds crazy because we think real estate is expensive and complicated, but it's honestly the truth. And this can be uncomfortable, especially for us lady folk, but deciding this is how much money I want to make from real estate investing. And it can be an income goal. It can be a net worth goal. So like I want to have a million dollars of real estate or $2 million or something like that, right? Because it can even be a longer term plan for like retirement or something. So the first step is honestly figure out what you want to make. How much money do you want to make? And being very honest about what that looks like. Then it's really determining, okay, if this is how much money I want to make, then back calculating what that looks like. I'll give you an example. So when I first started working, I think most of us, we, you know, you can get a mortgage and you're like, okay, I'm a professional. We can afford a $300,000 mortgage. But one of the decisions that my husband and I made is instead of buying one $300,000 house, we bought 10 $30,000 houses. Oh, smart. Right? So it's the same total outlay. But if income is my goal, then I'm able to get to those income goals much more quickly with the same net value, if that makes sense, out in the marketplace. So being very open about how you get to to that destination. And then the next thing I would say is be honest about your risk tolerance. So I am actually quite risk averse and we love to purchase things for cash or have a very low debt outlay. Other people may say, you know what? 
as we're talking about this right now. Of course, we're just at the end of the pandemic and money is flowing so free. It's a bargain. They're literally giving it away. Honestly, (laughs) they are like literally like like literally giving it away. And so on the opposite side, you could say money is free. So the least risky thing to do is get as much of this free money as possible. So it really depends on your personal perspective. And so there, there are no right or wrong answers there, but just determine what that is for you. And then again, you put some math to it. So for example, let's say that I want to earn $10,000 per month. This may be way more than anyone wants to, but let's just say that's my goal. Then if I can get a house to earn $1,000 per month in rent, that means I need 10 $1,000 per month rental houses, right? Or if I want to have a million dollars of net worth from my real estate investing and I can buy 10 $100,000 houses, again, same goal. So it's just literally putting pen to paper and determining, getting quantitative from this is a dollar amount that I want. And then what does that actually mean out in practice? That's so smart. And it's, you know, it's some one of those things when you say it like that, I was like, well, yes, duh. That makes it seem so <laughs> simple when before it just seems so daunting. But I, I love the way that you just kind of break it down to just doing the math and figuring out mm-hmm. what it is that you need and then starting small. So, right. A lot of it is just getting over the fear of doing yes. the math. The math isn't the hard part. It's the mental block of, can I do this? That's the hard part. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Okay, I had to interrupt this episode to ask you a question. How are you implementing what you are learning from this show? I mean, it's really great that you're investing in yourself to learn how to grow in each area of your life, but I want you to really apply these things so that you can reap the benefits of a more balanced life. If you're not sure how to begin, I want to invite you to join Life Balance Membership. Inside the membership, you'll find courses to help you create the habits that allow you to move forward with what you are learning. Plus, you'll have resources for each area of your life to help you take the guesswork out of figuring out how to create balance for yourself. For example, we have a full career guide that guides you through annual, quarterly, monthly, weekly, and daily routines to help you reach your career goals. It's actually what to do, how to start your work day, wrap up your work week, type checklists, and more. And that's just one area of life and one resource in it. Plus, you'll get access to the membership community and our member-exclusive podcast episodes where we take things to the next level in your self-coaching, like how to set boundaries and what to do when you struggle to make a new habit stick. You can try it for free for seven days, which is the perfect amount of time, by the way, to take the seven-day Clear the Chaos course. It's an excellent place to start. Just upgrade inside the Your Life Rocks app or go to lifebalancemembership.com to learn more. Oh, and members save money on things like our 12-week program, Life Balance Method, and the Life Balance Planner, and so much more. So join us today by going to lifebalancemembership.com. So once you kind of figure out like, okay, this is the path. Now we've, you know, this is the goal. This is the path and kind of where I want to go. Talk to me a little bit about how you feel about the current housing market. And obviously it's different kind of Mm -hmm. all over the country here in the United States where we're recording this. But I feel like I'm seeing the prices of property skyrocket up. Is now the best time to get in to be investing even with the prices going up? Or do you feel like it's best to just kind of like make your plan, wait for a little bit and then get started? A little bit of both. So one of the things that we love to help our clients with is develop their own real estate investing business plan. Because what that does Let's say you're going to open a barbershop or a hair salon or anything else. The first thing you do is start have a business plan. But people tend to not do that when it comes to real estate. 
because it's so simple. Like cognitively, I buy a place, people live in it, they pay me. That's simple. Yes. But, you know, for situations like this, how do you know? How do I make decisions? And that leads to analysis paralysis. So as we discussed, you know, what are my big goals? And then how can I back calculate how many properties I'm going to need? The next level is how do I determine which properties from a financial standpoint and a location standpoint, so forth and so on, are going to help me accomplish what my goals are? And so how can I get very data-driven from the beginning? Because what you don't want to do is start shopping for houses and then you fall in love with the countertops and it ends up not being a good investment. We're ladies, you know, before you got your husband, you know that you had a list. We all have a list, right? Yes. I had a, I had a list. <laughs> it's the same thing with houses. You got to have a list. That way, whenever something comes on the market, you can now use this as a rubric and screen against it. So this either meets my criteria or it doesn't. So that's the first thing that I'll say. Now with that, this time it really is different because there are so many other actions at play. So for example, with COVID-19, there have been a lot of stimulus. There's a lot of stimulus money out, out in the world. So what that means is, and people are, especially in California, there have been eviction moratoriums. So property owners have not been able, some, some property owners, thankfully, we have not been affected by that. I and mean, I think that has a lot to do with our processes and, and our active communication policies that we put in place. That being said, a lot of property owners have experienced less income than they're used to. So when the world opens back up, those prices and that backlog of profit that they should have been, that revenue they should have been receiving, that's going to get passed on to the end consumer in the form of, I need to recoup this investment in monthly income, i.e. rents are going to go up, as well as this asset, i.e. properties are going to go up. That's one part from a supply and demand standpoint, from a occupant supply and demand standpoint. The second supply and demand item that's really affecting housing is climate change. So as weather patterns have become more severe, access to wood and these other natural building materials, those prices have increased significantly. So just as a really quick aside, the cost of a two by four, like a piece of wood to build a wall, it used to be about $1.50, maybe $2. It is now $10 per stud. It's crazy. Right. So the cost, like raw materials cost to build a house is now also more expensive. Okay. So it's more expensive because climate being more severe, you have less wood that you can chop down, also supply chain issues, things like that. You also have, I'm a millennial, you also have a shortage of labor. So there are fewer people that are willing to go into the building of homes. So all of these combine into a shortage of product on the market. When there's less product, prices go up. So all these confounding effects are why prices are going up. And I don't see any relief in sight, to be honest with you. So are prices inflated? Yes. Comma, the reasons why they're inflated are totally different than bad lending practices like in 2008. Like these are macro things that are happening, like severity of weather patterns. That's not necessarily resolving itself anytime soon, right? right. A shortage of building labor, Ooh, that's not resolving itself either. <laughs> a lack of product, you know, even with renovating homes, you know, vacant properties that may still be left over, you need labor to do that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting it's because, you know, we, my husband and I were always talking like, I wonder when the bubble is going to pop. But yeah. kind of the things that you're bringing up, those are not bubble popping things. Those are like the bubble just keeps growing. <laughs> those, are, those are bigger bubbles. Those, yes, yeah. bigger bubbles. 
Right. And I don't want to use the word bubble because that sounds like it's fake. Like this is and and one other thing that I didn't mention is demographics. Right. You can't escape your demographics. So at least in the United States, we have baby boomers, which are the largest the largest population. Thankfully, they are living longer. That also means that they are occupying their homes longer. Okay. The next largest generation are the millennials. So sorry, Gen Xers, you know, you're just small in number. (laughs) (laughs) So from a demographic standpoint, you have the millennials, right? And because of things like 2008, the millennial population has been slower to form their own households. So again, you have this supply and demand because you have millennials that are now getting into, I'm trying to buy a house as my primary occupant, as my primary resident. And baby boomers are still living longer, healthier. So they are not selling. They're not going to nursing homes or, you know, otherwise. So again, you have the supply and demand constraint. So even from a demographic standpoint, I don't see this easing up anytime soon. Wow. Wow. So it really, your answer, yes or no, definitely is true. Because <laughs> I can be like, wow, with all of those things going on, like you really want to like move on this now. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Especially with all of the different programs and everything that are out there to help people mm-hmm. be successful, even if it's not directly related to this. But like you said, money's flowing freely right now. So hello. They're literally giving it away. So yes. Yes. It's, it's complicated. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh I can my tell goodness. you, we're still buying. You know, the fundamentals are still there. Where the fundamentals exist, we're buying. You know, I'm not buying anything in San Francisco. Those fundamentals don't exist, right? So you mm. still need to be smart about it, but there is certainly still opportunity out there in a lot of it. That's really encouraging to know. And, you know, it's funny because it's like you think about these things and they seem so big and so complicated, but just talking with you, it's like, well, Use your brain, break it down. Like it's not that complicated. And I just so appreciate that you have taken something that feels so out of touch and out of reach and brought it a lot closer and almost a way that gets me excited to take so. action on it and, and to learn more and to do more. So if people are, are kind of like me and they're like, okay, I need to dive into this a little bit more. Yeah. What is that next step? I mean, I know that you provide a lot of instruction and helping mm-hmm. people kind of make this a, a real thing, like you said, with yeah. the business plan and some of the boot camps that you do. Is that kind of that next step? Or do you think like a good financial analysis would be first? Or do you yes. do both? Both, for sure. So first things first, make sure that you have your own financial foundation set up appropriately. What do I mean by that? If you don't have life insurance, get life insurance. If you don't have an emergency fund, get an emergency fund, right? So those are the actual, actual foundation first steps. After that, you know, to your point, Jenny, a lot of times people, they want to get started, but they have a lot of hesitancy, a lot of fear around it. And it's like, how do I do this in a way that I, it won't take over my life because I don't necessarily have that much time. How do I do this in a way where I can be successful and really what is that difference maker? And so basically we tell you, what is the difference between people that grow really large I'm going to call them million dollar portfolios because that's the level where it is really making money separate from your personal effort. And as we discussed, you know, it's very, I'm going to call it very easy to get a million dollars worth of real estate. Houses are pricier. So you don't need a lot of them in order to actually move the needle financially. And so what is it that allows people to really grow a million dollar portfolio from those folks that struggle, quit and never get started? So we do have a complimentary video that you can tune into. The URL is theinvestingbootcamp.com. And 
basically you just put in your email address and it's it's not very long. It's only like 20 minutes, not trying to waste your time at all. And it really breaks down what is the separation. And it really comes down to having processes in place like any other business, right? How do you have processes in place that allow you to be successful by default? I love it. I love how simple you made it. I would highly encourage everyone to check that out. We will link to that for sure in the show notes. Now, is that the best place for people to connect with you or Absolutely. would you or, recommend them recommend like finding you in other ways? Yeah, you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn of all the social medias. <laughs> That's what I'm the most active on. So feel free to give me a hello on LinkedIn. Um, I'd love to, to have a chat and say hello for sure. And then one other thing, I, I did prepare some, I'm going to call them just general tips for success that have nothing to do with real estate specifically, but I think it might be helpful just for the conversation that we've been having. Beautiful. Uh, Let's go. Absolutely. So the first one is whatever your goals are, think about what is that end result that I'm trying to accomplish and get very, very clear on what that end result looks like. The next one is to strategically invest your time and thing in areas that where you're seeing progress. So for example, when I first started in real estate, I was like, wow, like this is actually moving the needle. I'm actually able to buy more high heels per month than I can without it. <laughs> That's a good All metric. Right. <laughs> right? Hello. High, high heel per month metric, right? So maybe I should spend some more time here and actually dive deeper into this. So if there's anything that you're doing where you're seeing a little bit, some spurts, like, okay, this is promising. Lean into that, right? And then the last one is to do things that have a long tail. So what can I do to invest my time where I invest time today and I can reap benefits for months, days, years to come after that? And so that's been, that served me very, very well. Mm, I like that term, long tail. Yes, yes. That's great. That's super great. I think that that's, you know, it's funny, as you were talking about that, I was thinking that is like a good thing to take before the Lord Hello. and just pray that He would show you those things with the long tail that He would see as worthwhile for you. And and again, I love that you kind of turned this whole entire financial conversation into a way of blessing other people by yeah. being a housing provider. I never really thought about it that way before. <laughs> you know, I think I think about money and finances in a way that is different than other people. Being financially profitable and, and having progress in that area does not have to be in, in opposition with your personal mission, with your faith or anything else. They can work in concert. I like to reference the Latin of the word to profit. It literally means to progress. And so if I am for progress, if I am for betterment, then I am for progress. And if you don't have enough money in your life, that means you're not giving enough, right? That means you're denying others, your talents and your benefits. It's like, you know, the lady with the, with the oil and she was, she was a widow and she's like, I don't have anything but my oil. Well, just pour your oil into multiple vessels and then go sell it. It's the same thing. What talents do you already have that you can give in service to other people? And if you don't have enough, that means you're not giving enough. And so wow. that's honestly how real estate became much more than just, you know, for my husband and I, I don't, I haven't shared their story yet, but you know, in the beginning, it was very much data-driven. It was very much, you know, we're all about the numbers, but we actually purchased an apartment complex that was vacant and we renovated it and, you know, people live there now. And I remember going there one Saturday afternoon and just being literally in awe. Everyone was minding their business. Nobody was paying me any attention, right? Like, like they're just paying <laughs> doing whatever they're supposed to do. But it just hit me. If we hadn't, I'm going to say, taken the risk or, you know, really acted in service and saying, I want to eliminate this from being an eyesore to actually a contributing portion of this community. Then this entire neighborhood would not exist. This ecosystem, this community of neighbors would not exist, right? How beautiful is that? And so 
it really became an act of service. And that's how Housing Joint Venture was born. And that's why we, you know, yes, we have our portfolio. Yes, we are in multiple cities. Yes, we have tons of, I have more properties and I have, I am old. Okay. And that's wonderful. But it's really about how can I be of more service to other people? And admittedly, we did not do coaching and consulting before the pandemic. We felt that it was our duty to say, hey, more people need to know about this as an income stream, as a way to build their wealth and a way to really, you know, advance themselves. And it would be almost wrong of us to not share this with the world. So that's why we started doing it. But, you know, we are investors ourselves. We, we, we just felt, I guess you can call it called to help other people learn how they can do it as well. Amazing. Amazing. I'm so glad that you guys are offering these services because I do feel like it is so needed. And I love that story. What a beautiful way of ending the episode of sharing the story about creating a true community. I mean, that's just incredible in the way that you can transform people's lives. I mean, truly, that's what it is. It's where they are calling home and you've provided that for them. Absolutely. Everyone deserves quality, decent place to live. And the mission of our, of our business is belonging and, all, and pride for all people because everyone needs to have pride in the place that they call home. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I am just so excited that you guys answered that call and that you are here today to share all of that wisdom with us. And I just pray that God would just keep giving you the right people so that you could pour into them and allow them to be able to be a blessing to more people. I mean, what a way of talking about doing the numbers and doing the math of really multiplying God's hands and feet in this world and being able to bless other people and show Jesus through their actions. So I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, Jenny. It has been my absolute pleasure to be here and chat with you today. Hey, just because the episode's over doesn't mean we have to stop hanging out. Head on over to Instagram and follow me there. You can find me at your.life.rocks. Or if you're more of a Facebook kind of girl, join our community of working Christian moms just like you. You can search Your Life Rocks over on Facebook and connect with us there. And if you're ready to truly create lasting balance and get results in your life, maybe it's time for you to join Life Balance Membership. Download the Your Life Rocks app in iTunes or in Google Play. You can upgrade to the membership right inside the app. And if you're looking for more resources to help you create more balance, head on over to yourliferocks.com.